Hey everyone, welcome back to the Saxa podcast, the first five years. I'm one of your hosts, Agassi Rodriguez at Clemson University. Hi everyone, this is Erica Aguiar coming at you live from the University of Florida. Agassi, you started with such a calming tone that I feel like I am doing the same thing. And I feel like we're not doing a student affairs podcast, but an ASMR one. And I think that could be a transition for us, just throwing it out there. If I could have my own ASMR channel, like my girl Cardi B, and just gently whispering into the microphone, oh, can you imagine? Beautiful. Was that nice? I, I really, you know, I as a, as a Cuban person, I my rolled R's are really rolly and very nice. As, as also a Cuban person, my rolled R's do not exist. Porque I can't roll my R's and you know this. Por que no, por que no, but we know, we know why, we know why. Well, how are you, friend, besides leading a venture into the ASMR world? We are good, we are hanging out, happy Friday. I feel like a lot of our recordings end up on Friday, so it's always a great thing to look forward to for the end of the Friday. Friday! Whoop, whoop! And how are you doing, girl? I am here, I am well. I'm actually on, I was on a call with some students recently and they were like, Erica, you have your life so figured out. And I said, I am constantly unwell. And they have now started using that against me, which I think is so funny. But today I'm doing really good. I'm excited because I, nope, not I, tomorrow is Halloween and not that I'm actually doing anything, but I'm excited. So how are you, sweet angel friend? We're doing well. Uh, no, no real Halloween plans outside of watching some movies with some friends. We're going to watch Hocus Pocus, like true millennials, uh, which I'm very excited about. I mean, what, so, what else would you watch? Well, actually, on that note, we are going to share your challenge word for this week. Okay. And I just shared it. I just realized unintentionally in my conversation, funny enough, we're talking about Halloween plans. But your challenge word, I guess, or phrase is hocus pocus. Oh, hocus pocus. Okay, yes. There you go. There you go. Can Are we ready? Can doesville. Say hocus pocus. Hocus pocus. It's all hocus. a bunch of hocus pocus. Yeah, I think I can do this. Yeah, I feel good. I always, I always believe in you. Always. Just sometimes I fail you, but that's okay. I'm writing, it down. <laughs> I'm writing it down. Don't worry. And then we're there together for the learning. But welcome back, folks, to the first five years. Or if you're listening to the first time, welcome to our little pod on the block. We are here for you, student affairs professionals, undergraduate students, graduate students, our new professionals, our maybe mid-level, our VPSAs who listen. So far, we have no confirmation, but you know. We are here to talk about what matters most to you and, and what we think is relevant to higher education. And as always, we just hope to bring you some timely information based on the calendar year and providing a public voice for graduate students and new professionals. And today, we are so excited to welcome our guest, Teddy Chastain. Teddy currently works as an assistant director of annual giving at Davidson College. This is her first full-time role as a higher ed professional after receiving her master's degree at Clemson University in 2019. When Teddy isn't working on Davidson's philanthropic goals, you can find her listening to true crime podcasts, taking a walk around her neighborhood in Charlotte, North Carolina, sampling a new recipe from her latest Trader Joe's haul, or working on her watercolor painting side hustle. Please welcome Teddy. Woo! 
What's Teddy? up, y'all? Teddy, we don't have a section for this, but I just have to ask um, because we no longer, um, or not today, rather, are going to have time to ask you this, but I would have. What What is, what, what true kind of podcast? Because, like, I'm also a murderino, and so we won't talk oh, about murder, yes. but, like, what what's your vibe? Actually, I can see his, too, so I think yes. we're both just curious. Crime junkie. Whoop, whoop. Okay. Love Crime Junkie. Yes, absolutely. I have a very long, extensive list of true crime podcasts that I am happy to share with you. Um, crime Junkie is definitely like the regular go-to. I really struggle on the longer ones. I know people love like my favorite murder and I support those people all the way. But when the podcast is two hours, we lose some interest. You know what I'm saying? I want it short and sweet. That's why Crime Junkie really speaks to my soul. Yeah, I am the, the biggest fan of my favorite murder. And I sometimes find that I'm like, we have not talked about murder and it's been an hour. See, that is my gripe. I get it. That get is my it. thing against uh, my favorite murder. I tried to get into it. Carter likes it. He's a fan. And every time I try to listen to an episode, I'm like, okay, we're 30 minutes in. And like, we still haven't talked about a story, which is great. But, you know, I want the details, which is why I like Crime Junkies. Crime Junkies like, hi, I'm Ashley Fowers and Brit. So today's story. I'm like, boom, 30 seconds, we're in. We're in there. Uh, just jumping in. We're just jumping in, for. jumping into some crime. Well, welcome, Teddy. We're excited. And today's episode is continuing in our, our little arc series on pulling back the curtain. And today we're really going to be talking about giving and advancement. So pulling back the curtain on those topics and what's going on in our in our new world of, of COVID-related impacts. But Erica, as always, has a question. I do. And it's not about murder this time. Teddy. What is the best thing you ate this week? Oh man, okay. I'm excited to, to answer this question because I had sushi for the first time since the pandemic started. And it's been a long, long time without some sushi in my life. So got a nice spicy tuna roll, um, had some yellowfin tuna carpaccio. I mean, it was a whole thing. It was an experience and um, my soul has been refreshed. We love soul refreshing. I am so glad. Agassi and I are fellow sushi lovers. And I'm just, when you have that first thing and it's been a while, chef's kiss. I'm so glad. Agassi, what, what did you have? What's the best thing you ate this week? Okay, so this week has been one of those weeks where we've eaten out quite a bit. However, we did go with a friend to a nice brewery for the first time ever, and there was a pizza place next door, and we ordered some wings and some pizza, and I do have to say, they were smoked turkey wings. Amazing. They were so good. I was, like, shocked at how good they were. Actually, not because I was shocked, thought that this place was going to be horrible. I was just like, wow, this is, like, the pizza was great, but the, the wings. So that is the best thing that I ate this week. And what about you, Erica? It's not been a, a great food week, I'll be honest. I um, didn't really eat out a ton. I didn't really make anything that stuck out to me. I feel like it's been Monday for two weeks, but I did go to my favorite Greek spot for lunch with a coworker yesterday. Um, and we got, well, I get chicken savlaki and it was just delightful. There's something so good about pita and some chicken and then some veggies, um, mostly the pita. Is it from the Greek place right off of university, like right next to campus? Well, there's a couple now. So if you are talking about Yido Plus, 
It was not that. That used to be my favorite because it's spot on baklava. Is now closed. I think they just opened the location differently. This place is called The Spot. And I feel like they know us because we probably go every other week. They're so good. So. Love Greek food so much. I'm not going to lie. When you said it closed, my heart gasped. And then you said they just moved like, okay, we're better. We're better. <laughs> we're better. We're good. Well, folks, thanks for sharing what everybody ate this week. For our next segment, we're continuing with our Would You Rather section. So we're going to invite our producer, Miles Surratt. Oh, there he is. Very excited and holding a notebook, it seems. So, Miles, take it away. Hello, everyone. Excited to be here. I have a couple of uh, Would You Rathers for you um, this time around. My first one is Would You Rather See a Musical about Microsoft Excel or a musical about someone else's dreams. Is this even, is this even a, a decision? It's Microsoft Excel, obviously, obvious. I mean, I feel like I need to attend the one about Microsoft Excel, but I would prefer to like peek into someone's dreams. That sounds creepy. Can I ask a follow-up, Miles? Yeah, of course. I want you to have the best information possible to make okay, it. Thank you. Because obviously I was just like ha-haing before. Typically when I go see a musical, I like to memorize the cast album before I go. So am I able to hear the cast album or is this like an opening night sort of situation? Great question. Um, I think it's an opening night situation. I think I, I want you to really be, I want you to really be surprised by the content of someone else's dreams and or Microsoft Excel. Well, that's, that's my thing is, you know, to explain my logic. What if the, what if the dreams are terrifying? What if this is a scary musical? You know, I mean, if it was a musical based on Hocus Pocus and that's what's in your dreams, I'm fine. The Agassiz's not going to count that one. Okay. But if, you know, if, the cast album lends itself to something, you know, I, now I think we're a bit in a toss up. I'm not going to have any knowledge going in, but I do think my final answer for fun shimmy sake is going to be the dreams. I'm going to jump in there and say the Microsoft Excel one, just because I'm already thinking of what the, the track list would sound like. And I think one would be like logic and formulas because we all know about Excel and logic and formulas. And I think you could have so many good puns with Excel. You know, like I, maybe the intro number is like how to excel and excel. And it's just like the whole cat, like I'm already like choreography, like scenery, like, you know, opening night, like I'm already there. So I'm committed. It's the excel one. I think the whole second act would be like an existential crisis about pivot tables. Put it this way. I don't even know what a pivot table is. So clearly I need to attend the excel one. That's my final answer. It could be fungicational. Fungicational? What's the kind of educational? I will say though, because I'm sort of looking at this as like, what if it's, oh, what is that show? I'm just a bill and all, you know, the one with the learning. Schoolhouse school. Rock. I'm looking at it as kind of like an adult version of Schoolhouse Rock. So imagine if, it. imagine if that's what plays as part of like Microsoft tutorials instead of like these videos and these hub guides, it's a musical. Like, can you imagine if you're like singing along, you're like, and to find the text, you're gonna enter count if, no, equals count if, Look, I'm already there. I'm ready. Yo, Broadway hit me up. I'm down. I can see. I want to be part of this project. Okay. You guys are very good at mnemonic devices. All right. Well, pretty right. conclusive. Pretty conclusive answer there. I've got um, one that's related to our uh, shared industry. Um, so, would you rather dress 
only in your life as the mascot from the institution that you currently work at for six months straight or for the rest of your life, you can only wear, you can only wear the school colors for the institution that you currently work at. So those are your, so those are your two options. So I can either dress in the mascot costume for six months straight or wear the colors forever. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, orange and blue look great on me and I happen to work at my alma mater. So like go Gators, easy. Great. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go um, wearing the colors for sure. I don't know, a mascot uniform just sounds really cumbersome. I get hot very easy. A wildcat costume for six months just sounds like a lot. So I think I'm gonna commit to the red and black forever. You can't go wrong with those two colors. Well, let's knock over to Agassiz and see how he feels about the idea of purple and orange for the rest of his life. So I'm curious about how he would do formal wear. <laughs> you know very well that it'd be purple at, with orange as the accent. Uh -huh. Actually, you know what? I take that completely back. It would be orange with a purple accent. I'm there to shine, y'all. But I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the opposite side of this section. I'm gonna go with the mascot costume, but only if I get to pick the mascot and I specifically want to be. Freddie Falcon from Bowling Green State University. I specifically want to be him because he's so cheery and I love him and I love him and Frida so much. This is now a Freddie and Frida fan club uh, podcast from now on, but uh, I would definitely go with the mascot just because after six months, then you get to wear whatever you want. Wait, 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 can we choose the institution? Cause then I would choose one of the six six from BGSU because they just wear overalls. It's a mascot magazine. Erica, why don't why don't you be the Frida to my Freddy? Or you can be Freddy and I'll be Frida. I'm down either way. Well, Frida does this hip hop thing, and I just don't think I have the hips, like my hips are not loose enough for that. So I think you should be Frida. Well, good thing that the costume does, though, so you don't need to worry about your hips because it's her hips that don't lie, not yours. <laughs> my hips solely tell the truth. I'm still gonna stick with things. If we're choosing institutions, I know Miles and I will not be choosing our alma mater of Furman University because it's a paladin and I'm not going to be strutting around in a full-blown knight's armor suit anytime soon. That's cumbersome. It also smells profoundly terrible. Like, I mean, it like radiates stink, that, that armor's costume. I just have to assume the Middle Ages were just a foul smelling time like i just think it was rough out there from a nose standpoint miles have you gotten close enough to a paladin to you never had that guy walk by you same question not that close not that close nope <laughs> have to be. i mean it doesn't have to be that close honestly but anywho okay well thanks for letting me um let me um ask those questions and excited to See where the future of um, Agassi and Erica's Excel uh, musical number goes. I think it's going to be great. We're going to come up with a track list for our next episode and present it to, to our wonderful fans out there. It's like, here's a track list. Is anybody down? Do we have a few venture capitalists who are down to put down some capital? Like, we're, let, let's make this happen, y'all. Let's make this happen. If you're listening, hit us up. All I'm saying is that I want a song about conditional formatting gone wrong. Mm. when the equation does not equal mm. oh the equation does that's, not equal that's our ballad that's, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> okay that's like 
like a, that's like the big like wind up like the that is the defying gravity of yes, this musical. I was just gonna say that is the defying gravity. We lost the ASMR bit of this, by the way, because we are yelling. Okay, bringing it back, bringing it back. I didn't know that was a goal, um, but on that note, I'm gonna conditionally format myself out of this conversation. Best wishes for the rest of the combo. Okay, bye. Thanks, Miles. Bye. Thanks so much, Miles, for hopping on. So now we get to play our next favorite little game, name Scott. Bump. Well, it was good. I could see that one. We're getting, I feel like every episode we say, yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. And it's the exact same quality. Like it is not altered. It's like we have not moved forward in a general direction. But, you know, we're here. We're doing it. So welcome, folks. Now we get to play name that Scott, which is, of course, where I ask our guest and Erica to correctly identify institutions based off their mascots or mascots based off of their institutions. Important to note, of course, is that all these institutions are in the Saxo region. And today, in honor of our guest, Teddy, we are going to do institutions in Tennessee. Oh, yeah. I'm pumped about this, although I can 100% tell you that I'm going to be terrible. So... Anyone listening to this in Tennessee, don't disown me for not knowing these mascots. All right. You are good to go because I will be losing. So at least you'll beat me. Go team. I always appreciate that Erica throws in the towel before we even start the game. She's like, yeah, I lost. <laughs> we haven't even started the game. I still will try though. There you go. Try your heart out, girl. Try your heart out. So our first institution actually kind of has two mascots in a way. Uh, they have the, the mascot, the person in a costume, and then they have a live mascot, which is very interesting. I have some information about that. But the first mascot, and I'll talk about the, the actual costume first, is Pouncer the Tiger. Teddy and I are just staring at each other. <laughs> really not a... Uh... Pouncer the Tiger. I'll give you another hint. Okay. The, the live mascot um, recently passed. It was Tom the Third, uh, but they now, I believe, are in, in the process of acquiring a Tom the Fourth. Um, I have no clue, Teddy. Do you know? I really, really don't know. Can we get like what area of Tennessee? Like that would be Middle helpful East? to Teddy, not me, but. It is in Memphis, Tennessee. Is it Rhodes? Is it um, is it the University of Memphis? University of Memphis. Yes, it is. Excellent. Yes. I just know that that's a school. Yes, that's actually where I went to SRO, Erica, when I was a preview staffer. Oh, Blue Sweat SRO. Blue Sweat SRO. That's right. Hey, shout out. I still this. remember your dance. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, say one thing Tennessee is a very long state and I am originally from Cleveland which is a solid six plus hour drive from Memphis so I've never even visited Memphis which is wild um because it's in my hometown state but it's just on the other side no that's a that's a like Florida thing because if you're in Miami to get to Tallahassee that's seven or eight hours and you know you're yeah, yeah no, no no Tennessee and Florida we got that going on we I got you well, tell us about Tell us about the University of Memphis, Agassiz. So the University of Memphis is a public four-year institution founded in 1912 and, of course, located in Memphis, Tennessee. So what I was mentioning about the Tigers, so 
starting in 1972, they always had a live tiger, uh, you know, Tom the first, and now they went up to Tom, what is going to be the fourth. Uh, but after the unfortunate demise of Tom the third, they are now having a partnership with the Memphis Zoo and all future Toms will be housed at the Memphis Zoo rather than being shown at games and all that such. And Tom is an acronym for Tigers of Memphis. Very cool. The more you know. We love fun facts. Okay, great. Next one. Okay, so for our next mascot, this mascot is the Lynx. Lynx, L-Y-N-X. It's like a, it's kind of like a tiger. It's like a bobcat kind of thing. I watched a lot of Animal Planet growing up, so I do know what a lynx is. Um, yep, the, the cute little pointy ears, but I, again, y'all, I'm embarrassed. I'll give you a hint. It is also in Memphis, Tennessee, and you actually said it. Rhodes College. <laughs> Woo! Absolutely. Pew, 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 pew. Rhodes College. Link is the mascot. So Rhodes College is a private liberal arts college in Memphis, Tennessee, established in 1848. And fun fact with that institution is that they actually own Elvis's first home in Memphis on 1034 Audubon Drive. And that's actually where they host their student-produced concert series, the Audubon Series. Wow. I just learned a lot more new things. So wait, I guess I don't know that we've ever had a tie before. Because, like, what do we do? What do we do? We celebrate the learning is what we do because this is probably the first tie in the first five years history. We should make a list wow. of like the first of this of this podcast if we're like the yes. first five years. Well, Ooh. Teddy, I'm excited. This is the first time I haven't, you know, outright lost. So that's good. See, now you're turning it around. Next time yeah, yeah, yeah. both right and just do it to it. Proud I'm excited. Well, now we get to talk about the fun stuff where we all are correct and we all learn. And that is the meat of the episode. No more amuse-bouche. We on the main course. So first, Teddy, I know, I can say I'm sorry. I'm so weird today. Teddy, can you just give us a brief overview of what you do? Totally. Yeah. So I am currently the assistant director, one of the assistant directors of annual giving at Davidson College. Um, it's located right up the road from Charlotte, North Carolina. Davidson is a sweet little town um, right near Lake Norman in North Carolina. So um, I work on the annual giving team, um, also lovingly uh, referred to as the Fund for Davidson team. And so, um, yeah, we specialize in annual giving. So we are raising current use expendable dollars for the college. That's our primary goal. Um, we have some designations that we really focus on. So that includes things like the arts, athletics, um, experiential learning, access and affordability, which is a huge one. Um, we have something called the Davidson Trust. So essentially uh, that means that um, Davidson is what they call need blind admission. Um, so um, essentially accepting students based completely off of merit applications, et cetera, et cetera, without looking at their financial aid needs and then meeting those needs, whatever they are. Um, so that's something that I really believe in um, and something that I'm really proud to work on. And of course, the unrestricted funds fall under our bucket as well. Um, 
There have been some new designations added this year under the Fund for Davidson that I'm really excited about. So it's things like student health and well-being, diversity and inclusion initiatives and things of that nature. Um, so that's been really great and super impactful, especially in 2020. Um, but my role specifically, I have a pretty programmatic role. So, um, you know, I think when people think of philanthropy and development, they think of a gift officer. And of course, there are plenty of those and we need them to make the world go round. But as I was starting my job search, I didn't even really realize or know enough about um, philanthropy to think about those programmatic type of roles. So I work with volunteers primarily on a few different initiatives. So it's just a different kind of work and a different kind of connection that was really important for me during the job search. So I work on things like our reunion weekend program, which is uh, pretty strong at Davidson. It's got a really great turnout, again, in a normal year, quote unquote, normal, whatever that is, a normal year. Um, and so I oversee the reunion giving strategy um, for that event and that program. And that's been really fun. So I get to work with a lot of volunteers um, from different generations, which is awesome. And then I also work with what we call class ambassadors, so like the class agents. Um, and that's a really great time too. And, you know, having those relationships over a year is pretty cool. Um, so really enjoying that a lot. Um, I do have a small portfolio, so I do get to test the waters of traveling and meeting with people, but it's a very small percentage of my job. And lastly, I would say something else that I focus on um, is our recurring giving program, which is always needed, but especially in this year, um, you know, there's a lot of expectations of we need to know what the monthly income is going to be for the college. Um, and so amping up recurring giving, um, especially for younger generations, not to overgeneralize, but we love a set it and forget it. You know, we love a, a subscription type service. So plugging people into that opportunity if they're interested is another thing that's been high on my priority list. So that's a, a brief overview of what I do. I love that you talked about the differences about how people sometimes think about advancement because I'll be very completely transparently honest. When I think of advancement and giving, I specifically think about the people directly asking folks for money. And I know, I, I think over the course of my experience now as a new professional, I've started to learn more about like the things that you do. And there are roles that specifically work with like student organizations or like that work with like student alumni councils. And I know we have a shared colleague that works specifically with like the student alumni council. Um, so like those like elements, it's even within the field of it, you know, the, the area of advancement, there's just so much particular can do, but I definitely always default to the, the having the networking parties and the like, Hey, are you going to like give us money kind of things? Uh, but I really love that you talked about like, Oh, the programmatic and the reunions, uh, especially because that could look so different depending on institution. Of course, Davidson being a smaller private institution that would look a little different than like the university of Florida's with the, the Gator clubs and all that. Totally. Totally. You know, as I was doing my job search, I had it in my mind that I was going to be working in a very traditional alumni office setting. That's really what I geared it towards. And, you know, like you, I mean, I just, I didn't know a lot about it during grad school. Uh, philanthropy work wasn't something that we talked about a lot. It was very student affairs focused in terms of, you know, what you expect with student affairs, um, which was great, but it was also a, a nice surprise to know that there were opportunities within advancement that still allowed you to, um, you know, build relationships. It's not all um, just outreach. And there are people whose skill set is so specific to that and they kill it. That's just not what I am great at. And so I didn't want 
that type of role. And I was really excited to know that there were other things that I could do to make an impact. And um, I'm a first gen college student and I had a scholarship going to Furman. And so um, that's always been a really salient identity. And it was always so impactful to me that I received a scholarship. Um, and I don't think I put two and two together until, you know, I, I was considering this job and applying and uh, I realized that it married a lot of things that mean a lot to me. Oh, Teddy, this makes me so happy. So as I probably not sure that I mentioned this to you, but I our devout listeners know this. I work for a scholarship program that Agassi and I were both a part of at UF that um, so my connection to advancement is not only and because of, you know, Agassi and I benefiting from it, but also I now like help with some of that stuff. And I just like really love what you talk about. And that, like, there's so many parts of it. And one of the things that I love and, you know, there, I think there's always sort of an idea for me that one day I could pivot into, into advancement stuff is the figuring out what people's affinity is, right? For all of us, it sounds like, you know, we, we care about this work and our institutions because of what we were given, but then you also find other alumni who might be connected differently, or you might, you know, have people who never went to the institution, but live in that area and now believe in it. And I, you know, I think it's so cool to, the relationship building that gets to happen when you think about these reunion weekends and, you know, thinking about, you know, young alumni versus older alumni. I just like really love this stuff, but I have to say something about the first gen piece because Agassiz and I are also first gen college grads. And I always find a way to sneak it into the pod. So thanks yes, for mentioning that. Of course, first gens unite always. <laughs> and as just like a side plug, because I don't think we're recording next week, November 8th is National First Gen Day. So make sure that you celebrate. Pew, 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 pew. Okay, sorry. Tangent over. Adding it to my calendar. I didn't know that. Actually. Ah, information sharing, we're here for it. So I think the, the next question is a little hard, um, especially based on some of the stuff you shared, but how has your work and advancement and giving overall changed during COVID times? Totally. Yeah. I, you know, every department, anyone uh, working in higher ed is, is having to shift. So it is no surprise that advancement is the same way um, from just like a, a basic lens participation among alumni from March to June, which is a lot of institutions in the fiscal year was dramatically lower than normal. Um, Davidson is one of those places that has really strong alumni connections and typically has a really high participation rate. Um, and although, you know, we were still happy with how everything uh, turned out, it was still much lower than what a normal year would be. And, you know, talking to peer institutions, it's the same with everyone. So um, that was the first obvious thing that happened. Um, but of course, fundraising priorities have just shifted. Um, you know, I, there were so many stories that came out about student emergency funds, and that's also something that Davidson did. Um, students trying to get home, students trying to figure out, you know, how they're paying for X, Y, or Z, and um, health and well-being offerings for counseling as students are navigating some really tough times. Um, all of that was really key. And so I know colleges really jumped to action in that way. Um, also getting technology to students who were going remote, who may not have what they need. And, 
you know, just trying to make sure that students were equipped as well as they possibly could be in such a tough time seemed to be a priority across the board as I would hope it would be um, for institutions. So I think that was one of the quickest, most visible things that happened after the initial shock. Um, and in other ways, things have also stayed the same and those top priorities really have become more concrete. So access and affordability and scholarships are more important now than ever because financial aid needs are gonna increase. Um, you know, not everyone's um, financial situation was affected, but a lot of people's were. And so however students were paying for college, that could have been dramatically changed. And you wanna make sure that those students can, can stay at the institution uh, if they can um, in some way. So, you know, those are some of the ways. Also, of course, as giving officers, now they're completely virtual and just pivoting a lot of things. So, um, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> It has been cool, I think, to see what, you know, you, I saw this recently, someone said, you know, if, if you want to show me what you care about, show me your budgets. And I think about what you're mentioning, right, that access and affordability was already at the top of this list, and now it's just become even more salient. And that, to me, communicates, right, that one, Davidson's always been thinking about that, because I think it's a struggle if you're like, oh, wow, this brought to light that our students are struggling with access and affordability, and this is the first time you thought about it but that that's sort of become more concrete and more pushed and more important, I think is not surprising, but institutions could have gone a lot of ways with that. And it's really cool and sort of uplifting to hear that Davidson was like, we've already been doing this and it's gonna keep happening because you know more and more students are gonna need that. So that's I'm just really happy to hear that. Totally, and I was really um, impressed by the outreach from alumni who I worked with that were like, okay, what do the students need? Hey, I have these airline miles. Can I like donate them? And, you know, just like making sure that we could get those things uh, coordinated. Um, I mean, people just really rallied from the staff, making sure all those things happened. Um, the student affairs professionals working directly with students, making sure they were taken care of, alumni reaching out. It was obviously a terrible time and still is very hard currently. Nothing is fixed and nothing is better. We are still living with this pandemic, but you know, it, it was nice to, to see some community building and some heartfelt stories amongst all the difficulty. I love what you're talking about in terms of like how, what has happened with COVID has really strengthened your priorities because I, you know, one thing we talked about quite a bit in grad school and understanding our own values and understanding institutional values and departmental values and a lot of conversation about values and knowing what those are because then when you reach gray areas or really tough situations, you know, this is what the goalpost is. And just because I'm now in a, uh, a space or I might be in a situation where like, things are a lot of places, I still know for a fact that like, these are the things that I care about. And even through all the, the gray, this is what I'm going to focus on. Because you're right. I mean, there are, you know, it, what, what's been going on with COVID is nothing short of a, of a crisis. Knowing that like, everyone has had to buckle down and figure out, okay, what are we doing? How are we doing it? And if you don't know what you care about, you cannot figure out what you're going to do about it. So it, it is really great to hear, if, at least from, you know, the Davidson side of things that it's like, okay, like these priorities have not shifted. If, if so, they've actually been strengthened because we still realize that this is still an issue. It was an issue before, and now it's even a bigger issue. And we're going to put resources towards it. Cause I remember in grad school, they'd also talk about, you know, it's not always a, a priority issue. It's, it's not a it's not always a financial or budgeting issue it's a priority issue it's not always that the funds aren't there it's that this is not a priority for an institution or for a department to put 
effort or support behind that with funding because at the end of the day that is a that is a basic need for students it is the scholarship it is the finances it is the financial support you can't you know no matter how much you want to go to school sometimes if you don't have the money to pay for it unfortunately or you have to work and save up in order to attend you're going to do that because unfortunately that is the situation you're in and not everybody's in that situation but again to your point about like first gen and low income and that access piece those are the students that are going to hurt, not the students who are like, well, this hasn't shifted. Like my parents are fine. We're good. But then again, we always try to plan for those that are most marginalized or most at the fringes. And then when you focus on that, everybody benefits or can benefit. 100%. Yeah, the rubber has really met the road this year for institutions with their priorities. Agassiz, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think sort of connected to that is we know that when the economy is hit, people go back to school. And so I think, yeah, I've talked to a lot of our students and we were so worried because, right, we're worried for lots of reasons, but, you know, COVID is impacting everyone, but we were in the middle of recruiting. And so we had just said, okay, we have students who were trying to get to come to the university. We typically admit into our program 300, we increase it to 350. So now we're saying, okay, suddenly we need more cash gifts because we need money for right now. And we're doing all this stuff. And the students I talked to, we're in this place of, do I, do I plan for the now or do I plan for the future? Do I stay home and take a year off and work and support my family through what's happening now? Or do I, you know, make the choice to go to school knowing that in four years, there's going to be a return on investment. And I'm always going to push for the educational piece, but this was particularly hard to say, I can't tell you that you should let your family's lights go out because in four years you'll be able to help because right now there's an immediate need. And I think lots of institutions have had, you know, emergency funds that were able to help through some of that. And gosh, have I talked about budgeting so much with students to be like, okay, how much can you send home? But I just think it's interesting, you know, it, it, it and I think this is always happening, this sort of, do I do something for the immediate or do I do something that's going to protect my family? in the future. And that is especially important for first-gen students because we know that education unlocks everything for us, but you do have to sacrifice a lot in that moment. So it's just heightened right now, I think. Absolutely. So transitioning to our next question, what are some of the things you wish your colleagues or others knew about the work that you're doing right now? Oh, that's a good question. Um, kind of going back to what I spoke to earlier, again, I think there was this air of mystery around um, advancement and alumni relations type opportunities, um, especially, gosh, when I was in grad or in undergrad, I had no clue what was going on in those spaces. Um, but even in grad school, um, because the Clemson program is so awesomely focused on those student affairs roles and, you know, I, I, advancement and alumni affairs, although they are really integral, are, you know, not very much student forward. So, um, you know, I think there was a little bit of like a bad rep about it. Um, and and I, I didn't know how to like grapple with that. Um, I think it's really easy to see people who are on front lines with students. I mean, that's like the goal, right? You know, you're interacting with the students, you're making a difference day to day. And those things are amazing. And obviously the most important because the students being on campus is the end goal. Um, so I had to come to terms with, I like 
working with alumni and I like being a little more behind the scenes and I like making a difference just in a way that come across as that uh, the the hero student affairs professional um, and being okay with that. Um, I think I, I really did struggle with that at first. Um, but for me, advancement in philanthropy and fundraising can be sort of complicated and, and tricky when it comes to, you know, equity and inclusion. And there's a lot that I don't think um, advancement has really totally grappled with um, that needs to be dealt with. So for me and pursuing a job within that, I needed to make sure kind of what you were alluding to, Agassi, that I really believed in the institution, that I knew that their priorities were in the right place. And I feel really lucky that I ended up at Davidson um, because I, I do, I really believe in it. Um, I think they're doing amazing work. And so I just have to keep my eye on the prize and, and know that access and affordability um, and scholarships and student opportunities are my number one priority as someone working in advancement um, and know that I'm happy uh, being a Davidson representative in that way. And so I'm going to brag a little bit about um, your work, Teddy, if you don't mind, and remind our student affairs oh, colleagues that we can't do it without you. And, and again, I work with our advancement team constantly, and the, the work that you all do allows us to do our work. And, I, and we coexist, right? I'm not, you know, at the end of the day, students totally. are the reason we're at the institution. And also, I think about all my students and my job is to support them, but I can't support them and I can't have them here without the work that our advancement team does to steward them and to bring them in and to connect to the students and to also do that in a way that doesn't feel like, hey, look at all these, you know, low income students give us your money. But I also think about our alumni, you know, representatives who are connecting to alumni who may be like, I, that wasn't something that existed when I was there and now I want to give back to it. And all of this connects. And so if you've not connected with your you know, friends in alumni engagement, with your friends in advancement, you need to because they make our work possible and they have a direct impact on student success. Even if you're not the person who is advising the student, I, I can't advise a student that is not here because we don't have the scholarship dollars. So I love what you do. It makes me so happy. I think I'm uniquely positioned because I get to work with advancement, but I feel like this is me every episode though, Agassi. I'm always like, you need to connect with these people. They are so important. But Teddy, what you do is is like incredibly crucial and is very, very, very student affairs. And especially now, thank you for all that you're doing because um, super duper needed, very much crucial. Thank you. I really appreciate kind words. And, you know, I think development professionals um, or alumni professionals. I also think we get in our bubbles and the more we connect with people who are in those student facing roles so we can tell those stories um, in a really impactful, detailed way makes all the difference when connecting with alumni. You know, you can say, and students are having this really awesome opportunity uh, through this experiential learning trip to San Francisco, but if you haven't connected with the person who's leading that to hear those really cool stories, you know, like it just doesn't paint as good of a picture as you could. Um, and I want to keep my pulse on those people who are working directly with students because I need to know the institution at that heart level, which is the students and the staff that work with them. 
And, you know, you're, I, I know we kind of already talked about the values piece, but that, you know, working, feeling like you're working in line or that your personal values are somewhat or majority aligned with the institution you work at is something I also think is absolutely important. And that doesn't mean that we don't see things or we don't, you know, you know, we don't see things happen at our institution that we're like, that could have been better or, hey, that, ooh, that was a misstep or, ooh, I disagree with that. But that is also the the reality of working at an institution or working anywhere you know we're going to be confronted with challenges based off our values or ethics and we're going to have to evaluate okay how do i feel about this do i agree do i disagree because everywhere we go there will be some of that potential disconnect and you know that is also natural i think sometimes folks you know i uh i will say sometimes for graduate students as well i think fall into a routine of like well my institution did it this way this is the best way to kind of do it it's like well there might be a reason why this works in this capacity at the institution you're currently at i know as a new professional now working at several different institutions i can I, I, you know sometimes i will think back and be like "Ooh, you know what i think x institution kind of had a better handle on this but now my sample population is four uh you know and sometimes i, I I really do think about, again, when we're aligning the things that we care about with the institutions we care about, that comes in the work that we do, how we do the work. So Teddy, I know you're talking about like, you have the student affairs background and you went to a program that's student affairs based. And now you're able to provide that lens and that expertise in an area that may not have a whole ton of student affairs professionals. I've heard that from colleagues before and say, yeah, I'm like the only person with a student affairs degree. Everybody has like a nonprofit degree or a leadership degree or they have a, a clinical degree and it's those perspectives are what are important because you're able to bring that lens into the work you're doing and say you know based off of what i know i think this could be better in these capacities and challenge those assumptions and those things that you just mentioned that sometimes advancement folks don't grapple with or haven't really grappled with and you're like uh you know maybe it's time we grapple with this xyz thing because at the end of the day you're the one promoting this work you're the one putting these programs together so you have direct influencing being able to say I think this could work differently. And here's why I think this could be different. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, my student affairs background has helped me tenfold. I can't even tell you. When you said that, like so many examples came to mind of, you know, I work with a broad group of colleagues and just, you know, those teamwork dynamics, that sounds so basic, but man, I learned so much during my time at Clemson about that. And we also have um, our student philanthropy associates who work with us part-time and um, I don't work with them directly, but I've been able to have a hand in, in thinking through training programs for them and how do we connect them better. And, you know, that's really uh, helped in that regard. And, um, you know, our department, our cultural relations department at Davidson is really working towards um, a more robust anti-racist effort just as a team. And so I have been pulled into that given my background with the Clemson program because it was really strong in that way. And so, um, Absolutely. I mean, my student affairs background is is everything. And I'm really glad that I have that being in the work that I'm in. And for our new professionals listening, I think it's, you know, it, this doesn't just happen, right? You don't just wander into jobs and just say, hocus pocus, here I am. I'm really trying for this. I can see. I don't think that would work. But I think there's a you know point about transferable skills sounds like a little bit of a theme here and that your student affairs knowledge, whether broad, specific, is going to work in other spaces. And I think it makes you better for it. And I think advancement is such a good example because the people that I know who do the absolute best here at the University of Florida and other places are people who have a student affairs understanding because that's what makes the, that's what, you know, when you think about a lot of people who give back, it's not, 
I loved all my classes. For some people it is. It's the people that I met, the influence that folks had on me, the involvement, and that's our stuff. And the better you can know that, the better you can connect people. So um, we're going to wave our little magical hocus pocus wand and pull it all together. Agassi is like almost red. I'm so sorry. I'm an embarrassment to all of us. But thank you, Teddy, for this conversation. It was such a joy, such an honor. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate you all so much. Is there anything that, go ahead, Agassi, sorry. I was just going to say, Teddy, this is just uh, our way of giving thanks for that time that I got to be on your podcast for class where we talked about first gen students. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was so fun. That was my first podcast experience and it was not as high tech as y'all's venture, but we made it work and you were a fabulous guest. So we're going to link that one clearly because I want to listen to that. But I was going to say, you know, Teddy, is there anything you want to plug that you've got your social channels or anything while we've got you here? Oh gosh, yeah. Um, Is this for like my, my social channels or Davidson social channels or... You're all you. We want to follow you as a human, you as an individual. If you would like to send me an email and we can connect that way and chat about all things uh, student affairs, higher ed or advancement. Um, My personal email is Teddy Piper. So again, that's T-E-D-D-I-E-P-I-P-E-R at gmail.com. Thank you for that. And thank you everyone for coming to the first five years presented by Saxo. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. Thanks, as always, to our producers, Miles Soret and Erica Lee. If you would like to know more about SACSA, the Southern Association for College Student Affairs, follow them on all the things, facebook.com slash page, Twitter at SACSATweets, and Instagram at SACSAgrams. You already know where to follow Teddy. You can follow me at Erica M underscore Aguiar on the Twitter. And Agassi, what about you? You can also find me on the Twitter. My uh, handle is at Agassi underscore R. That is A-G-A-S-S-Y underscore R. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us. We had such a good time, Teddy. And we'll uh, see you soon. Thanks so much.